0: Welcome, everybody, to another great show of the Guillaume Now Show, whether you're tuning in on the Facebook Live or you're dialing in via podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever it is that you're listening from, appreciate you taking the time to be here as always. The goal of this show is to bring you as much immense value as I possibly can around real estate and getting out of your own way in the real estate space, particularly when it comes to digital marketing and other marketing aspects. Um, And to that context, um, I'm actually pretty excited about this. So For those of you who have been following the last few weeks of episodes, right, you may have noticed sort of a theme. And the theme is, hey, if we're heading into a recession, we're heading into a downturn, we're seeing real estate numbers start to come down um, in some cases, and not again, not all areas, but many areas. How do we start having more ways to buy houses? And my guest today, David Randolph, actually said at best, he's like, hey, if we have more ways to buy houses, we can be more successful in real estate. And I, I could not agree with that more. And so um, David is actually an expert at short sales. Now, I'm not going to steal a thunder. If you're listening to this going, Bob, what's a short sale? That's okay. It might be a newer term for some of you who have not been in the real estate game for a very long time because- while in 2008, 9, 10, there was a slew of them. There hasn't been nearly as many since then. But this doesn't mean that it's, there isn't any. And it doesn't mean that you can't utilize it. And it doesn't mean that you shouldn't understand more about it. Because if you can do all three of those things, again, it simply opens the door for you to be able to do more deals um, or even potentially tackle a deal that you couldn't have tackled otherwise, because now you have a different avenue to actually purchasing that house. And so I won't go into all the, the nitty gritty details because I am certainly not the expert at short sales. I think I've done two in my entire life. So uh, I definitely barely even qualify as a newbie. I'm like a white belt when it comes to short sales. <laughs> but with any, without any further ado, uh, I want to introduce David. Uh, and David, I'm so happy for you to be here and be sharing your knowledge. Thanks for being on, man.
1: Yeah, thank you, Bob. I really appreciate you inviting me on uh, to your podcast, your your show, um, your uh, whatever this digital media is that you're going to uh, produce and send it out to. It's amazing things that you do. Uh, in these areas with it you're so so talented with it so I just love having a forum to be able to reach out to other people and talk about one of my passions which is short sales and I'll just kind of real quickly give you a background of, of who I am where I come from so you know you know what why why would you want to Who you listen- be? Who who uh, are you I David be? Randolph? Tell us exactly and stuff. So, but I will for those who are still going, wait a minute, is, is this stock trading shorting shorting stocks? No shorting sales so what what well I'll give a super quick definition of a short sale, just so you don't hang up the, the, the call here, uh, but then I'm going to later have to stick around because I'm going to blow your mind with the real definition. So I'm going to give you the lie first, okay, the lie that you hear mm-hmm. in the media. And that lie is that a short sale is when the homeowner owes more than what the house is worth. So if they want to try to sell their house, they owe more than what the home would sell for. That's what you hear in the big box media, that that's what a short sale is. It's dead wrong. Now, I just want to give that definition so that you know what our topic is. Uh, and later, uh, as we talk, I will. That's, like that's like a
0: mic drop right there. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly the yeah. definition that I would have given too. So uh, now, yeah, now you got that's me you,
1: Yeah, that's what you've got in CNN, uh, MSNBC, RIA groups, other people. But with 12 years of experience, I found that there's another definition. So this is where we do a teaser that I'll tell you the real definition later. So is that a teaser, right? I guess Bob, you know, that yeah, I will I give you the real so. definition later. So anyway, no, it's a passion. I love talking about short sales. You know, I am a real estate investor. Um, I basically am a rehabber. I rehab about five. So I'm going to give you my, you know, back when we actually had these monthly RIA meetings before the pandemic, you know, uh, in your local city, you'd go to a RIA group and you would have networking sessions. I'm going to give you my, my 60 second networking, you know, elevator speech that I would give people, you know, in those meetings. And it's, hi, my name's David Randolph. You know, I rehab about five to 10 houses a year. Uh, one of my claims to fame is that all my renovated houses uh, listed on the MLS, you know, under 260,000, all those home listed for sale uh, have sold in seven days or less at list price or higher for 12 years. So my homes are drop dead gorgeous. So I'm a really good rehabber, but I cheat. Okay. So I cheat when I do that. Uh, I cheat because I make 50 to $150,000 profit on each house. Now these are just houses in St. Louis, Missouri. This isn't California. 1.2. These are $50 to $150,000 profit on each house, Uh, and so I do that by negotiating short sales. So this is not a short sale listed on the MLS with a realtor, but rather it's a short sale where I'm working with the homeowner and then negotiating with the bank. So I'm negotiating with the bank directly uh, to be able to buy that house. Um, And so I've gotten really good at that over 12 years, been doing it the entire time, Uh, even when they supposedly dropped off, as you just said, which is not really true. But, you know, to everybody else, they did. I didn't get the memo to stop. I kept doing them for 12 years. Um, Actually, I've been so blessed, Bob, to have over three million dollars in cash in my IRA. This is not syndicated money. This isn't somebody else. This is my money from the blessings from being a real estate investor and what it's been able to to do in my life. So because of that, in my IRA, I, I am not old enough to take it out. So I'm a hard money lender. Okay, so I now lend to other rehabbers. Now, my heart and passion is to help new rehabbers get started. So what I do is I lend you all the money to buy it, all the money to fix it up, all the money for the points on the loan and all the money for the monthly interest payments. You need zero dollars in your checking account financially to to start rehabbing. I want to help new investors out there be able to uh, rehab houses and be successful. So there's no credit check. Uh, But anyway, um, to kind of wrap this up here at the end, about three years ago, I started teaching other people how to do short sales. So uh, big people out there in the industry, uh, tax attorneys, John Heyer, Jeff Watson, and other you know, attorneys and people that are out there, you know, uh, in this industry, you know, said you need to start teaching other people what you do because you know they they've never made that that kind of money in short sales, and so now I uh, have so much fun teaching other people how to how to do that in, with short sales. So that's kind of my my quick intro, which wasn't so quick, but that's my background and what I do in, in real estate.
0: Perfect, and I I think that's that's super valuable because for, I think for a lot of folks, you're right. Like making 100, 50 to 150 to 150,000 on a two like we did most of our deals in Buffalo. And I'll tell you right now, like, I think our highest profit ever was probably like 54, 55,000 on a flip just because in, in our, maybe a little bit lower price points, but, um, clearly we should have, uh, we should have been knowing you before this and, uh, learn how to do this method. So, um, okay. So, I guess let, let's let's dive into this first. Um, well, let's hold off on giving the real definition uh, for right now, unless you think it makes sense here. But one of the, I guess, one of the biggest misconceptions, and I've heard this a couple of times in some more recent interviews, is that short sales never really stopped. Um, you know, they were still out there. Like you said, you didn't get the memo that they had ended, right? But you're still buying them. So, where are you finding short sale deals? Right now, from like a marketing standpoint, how do you how do you find these deals? Because I think most people would say, "Wait, um, I I I don't see those in my market." So, if there are there, we're probably just looking in the wrong place.
1: Yeah, exactly. So let's give a little bit of background of of what happened and where they went to and where they are. Uh, it's a very good question. Um, I guess if we even go back in time, you know, the 2008, 9, and 10 time frame was uh, was you know the, the Great Recession. The banks were for- foreclosing left and right on everybody. It was horrible. Families were losing their homes. Uh, matter of fact, it's why my wife and I went into real estate at that time was to help families out and to keep them from losing their home and getting them time in the house uh, and be able to get them to save up their money because uh, the banks were just uh, doing it um, without regard to any of the circumstances. And so, you know, we could step in and stop that. Then, about 2012, Bank of America came out with the 30 day restriction. In other words, uh, when you were doing it back then, you could sell the house right away. Well, Bank of America and others came out and said, no, wait a minute. If you're going to buy a short sale, you actually have to hold on to it for 30 days. Well, that just cut half the people out there because one, they didn't have money to actually buy the house to hold it for 30 days. So I started doing transactional funding at the time uh, because you could still make a good, you know, profit. Uh, You just didn't have the money to buy it. So a lot of people quit and got out of it there with it and stuff. And so, um, you know, but after that, you know, I want you to keep in mind, I'm only doing like one a month. And in my county, pre-pandemic, before the pandemic, there was uh, 40 people a month with a foreclosure date. And I just needed one. And then the next month, it would start all over with another 40 people. So this isn't mass wholesaling marketing, $5,000 per month marketing budget. You know, I mailed to 40 people. Okay, so basically, um, you know, that great time of the foreclosures that were happening to people, you know, did taper off back to a normal rate. But that's perfectly fine. And as I just said, 40 per month. So, um, you know, I continue to do those. Then what happened is we had the pandemic that happened in March of 2020 and it totally skyrocketed the number of um, short sales. I'm going to be careful with my wording. Um, I want to be clear, I am not one of those people. And and if I contradict some of your other guests, you know, I I apologize, and it's their problem, not mine. But, you know, I do not say that there is a a tsunami of foreclosures coming. I am not in that camp. Okay, there is not a tsunami of foreclosures. What I will say there is a tsunami of short sales. and, And here's why. So basically, what happened in 2020, March, the moratorium the cares act came out and it put a moratorium on people paying their rent we heard about that in the news all the time and and right under the headline for that was a moratorium on your mortgage payment so people did not have to pay their mortgage payment due to COVID, and that was in existence for over 18 months well what happened was the banks also were not allowed to foreclose so two things one they stopped making payments and two the banks could not foreclose so the complete opposite of 2009 and 10 where the banks were foreclosing on anybody for any reason this was the opposite there was zero foreclosures so at this point in time bob you know according to black knight data we have a 1.2 million delinquent loans out there from that forbearance time frame. So they didn't make their payment. They didn't think they had to. Then they get the rude awakening that you actually still owe all that money. They can't right. catch it up. And now, Bob, they can't refinance. So now we have those people that are delinquent that are sitting there. Um, now the inflation has taken off. Okay, well, second thing happened was interest rates rose to 7%. So now one of the normal avenues when you have equity in your house, which is to refinance, well, you can't refinance if the rates double. So that right. just caused a whole lot of those 1.2 million to get the leg, their chair pulled out from underneath them. Uh, now with inflation and gas prices and food prices rising, uh, we have additional new potential foreclosures coming in with missed payments. As a matter of fact, last month they reported that the 60-day late OK, so you have a mortgage and you miss a payment. You're 30 days late. You miss two payments. You're 60 days late. If you miss two payments, you're probably in trouble. And the Black Knight data said, uh, don't quote me on Black Knight, maybe another uh, organization, Adam Data, but uh, the number of 60-day late loans doubled. So add that to the 1.2 million people. OK, and then you add that to the people of coming into the foreclosure situation, new, uh, doubling. We have... Um, many, many more people in that potential situation. Now, how do you find them? Okay. Uh, So what I teach, okay, is the simple, easy way, and that is to actually target the people with a foreclosure date. So, But I teach you not to go to a website and get it from some paid service that's late, wrong and incorrect. I actually teach you, so people need, maybe need to take notes in this this presentation. So what I teach Get your you pens is- depends on paper,
0: oh, out. let's go. Yeah,
1: exactly. I, I love to teach and you know, I'm an engineer, I love to teach people stuff. And so what you wanna write down is you go to, uh, well, okay, every foreclosure in the entire country, every foreclosure is done by county. So every county is the foreclosure for that property address that it resides in. Each county has a legal newspaper. It's required by law in all states, judicial or non-judicial, to post the foreclosure date and time and location of when that home will be sold at auction, regardless of the state you're in. And I teach you to get that legal newspaper information and mail to them by 5 p.m. that day. So that's the that's kind of the over-the-surface beginner Position to start with is to target those people, but do it from the county legal newspaper.
0: Cool. Um, all right, so let me just kind of summarize here. So we, we've got a wave of people that didn't pay. Interest rates rose, which means you know that a lot of them had inflation and uh, especially in appreciation in their house. Now they're finding themselves back down without that, and when they face that foreclosure date, they're going to be hitting hitting these these legal papers, and then. When you reach out to these folks to talk to them, you know, are are you are you talking about short sale? Do you use the word short sale with them, or do you kind of say like, is it more of a conversation? Because one of the things, like, I remember, and this is kind of actually a, a funny story. When I first got started, I was marketing the foreclosures because back in two thousand eight, that's you know nine, that's what you did, right? That everyone there was a ton of them, so it was easy to get the information. And I remember kind of just more out of ignorance than anything else. I sent a bunch of postcards that said stop foreclosure on it. So then they all got pissed off at me because it's like in their face, like all the mailman knows, everyone knows that they're doing it. Um, so I'm curious, you know, let's say, hey, someone goes, finds these, these paper, they start reaching out to these folks. What are you seeing is the best way to, to contact them? Are you talking to them? Are you mailing them Are you or, or what?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. Um, I believe in uh, real estate, not running your life, but you running the real estate. So for me, direct mail is always the easiest tried and true system for marketing to people. We can do SEO, we can do other things. And it's important to have that. But as a base level, you need to have a marketing campaign that goes by mail, because that's the way to get into their house without them, you know, finding you. You go to them. Okay. So it's your base level of using direct mail marketing. Uh, now, what you want to do with that is um, put your phone number in it so they can call you, right? Okay. So you want them to call you. Now, when they They'll call make sure you, it's the right phone number. At, at, uh, well, no, no, no. In your letter, it's your phone number. So you're sending well, them. Well, I, I just mean
0: like a, like a working one. I got it. It's funny. I had a friend send a foreclosure letter one time and it was the wrong phone number. It was like a disconnected phone <laughs> number. And he was like, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah,
1: that yes, definitely. Um, so you want to have a number that is is answered live. Basically, it's a very good point, you know. And if you have to use a, a an answering service, you know, it can't be your phone at work where you're not going to take the call. So that actually is very important because here's what happens: is that when they call you, you know, you don't say, "Hey, this David guy on Bob's you know podcast said I can make fifty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars profit. Can I do a short sale, please?" That's not what you say, okay? At all. You're right. What happens is. Yeah, you, know, you know, as you know in real estate, it's no like and trust. They have to know, like, and trust you. And that's what it's all about. So here's where we have an advantage and the way I teach people to market is, you know, when you were sending your letters out, you're probably, you know, saying, I I want to buy your house. You know, you, you want to say I'm gonna pay cash for your house, right? That's what you know all the big uh, you know wholesaling companies do, uh, national companies, you know, I'll pay you give you a cash offer for your house, right? How about you do this instead? in your market. Why don't you say this to them on the phone? So write this down. Basically, you want to say something, you know, in your own words to your own, you know, uh, effect of how you speak out loud, but basically say to them, hey, look, uh, you know, if you want to keep your house, I can help you keep the house. But if you do want to sell it, I can buy the house. So now you just became twice as valuable to them as the people offering a cash offer that's too low to pay off the mortgage. Think about it. A cash offer is a low ball offer, which is less than what the loan is. So they're thinking, I'm stuck. A cash offer that won't even pay off the loan because it's a low offer. Uh, These guys are useless to me. Instead, why don't you ask them, do you want to keep your house? Okay. and then if they say no, then you say no problem. I can buy your house. See. And so now if they want to keep their house, then you can talk to them. What's what have you tried? What's happened with the bank? And you go down the list of options. So the short sale is the last thing that you say to them. What you say to them is, what do you want to do with the house? okay and then basically you run down what have they tried and so you go you know to the fact that we have to stop the foreclosure do you have somebody can catch up your loan Do you have an FHA loan, which means we can file for a loan modification and stop the foreclosure? You know, those kind of little tricks. So you basically try to find help for them. Now, when they fail at the loan modification or they fail at having the money to catch the loan up and uh, many other options that we don't have time to go into uh, here is that they then end up with, well, wait a minute. I guess I'm going to have to do a short sale which is okay for them at that point, because, you know, they can't fix their house up and sell it. They, A lot of times, just to be honest with you, Bob, 80% of the people don't want to stay in the house. It was either a divorce or there was health issues in the house, disrepair of the house, you know, they want to leave that house. So most of them actually don't, you know, want to keep it. And so then basically, you know, that's what you're trying to do is, is tell them, let's run through the options until you end up at the short sale. And guess what? I know how to negotiate it. So you're now their final option uh, for it
0: there. Okay. I get it. So you, you're, you're saying, Hey, look, cause I, I remember back when I was doing some of this, you know, there was a lot of them that wanted to stay in the house, but it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't feasible, right? Like they didn't have the, 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 the means necessary to make that happen effectively. Um, so you're basically saying, hey, look, you know, we'll try this, but, you know, you're essentially showing them why they can't. And, and I would assume then that because you're going through that, you become a, a better trusted resource. It's like, oh, I didn't just try to do this one thing over here that benefits me as the investor. Um, I tried to help you first. We f- figured out that that's not going to work the way that you want it to, unfortunately. And now here we are over this. And maybe it does. Right. Maybe there is a way for them to do that. But um, either way.
1: Exactly. No, you're right. I mean, there's so many wholesalers sending letters out trying to make cash offers um, that they're just pissed off at them, at those people. And you come in with a different story to help them, then they then now, you know, start to like you, okay, Uh, and stuff. And so that's, it's all about the no, no like and trust. And if you know the facts of a short sale, you know what the various options are, you know, in doing the short sale, like, for example, that the The foreclosure is going to hurt them for seven years and 350 points. But if we do a short sale, it's 50 points in one year. If you know a few facts about the process, you know, then they begin to have confidence that you can help them. And and let me just talk real quick about the benefits of the short sale for the homeowner. Uh, There are tremendous benefits. So first of all, these people have a foreclosure date. And if you're in a judicial state, you know, it might be 30, 60 or 90 days out. Uh, but in uh, non-judicial states like Missouri, Texas, and Georgia, you know, it's like 30 days. So in 30 days, they literally have to be out of their house, and that's a very bad situation. So in a short sale, uh, what the homeowner is able to do is to let you work with the bank to negotiate to determine what the real value is of the house, but more importantly, see, here's the trick, more importantly, what is the amount the bank will accept for their loan? It's not related it is related but it's not truly about the value of the home it's what would the bank accept for their loan when they reduce it down to a very low number for you and so basically what happens is um you know you're you're basically gonna reach out to them and um and I forgot where I was going to go with this what was the question
0: again um well so so we were we were talking about you know, sort of the, the we were wrapping up from the process of, hey, we're going through them keeping the house down to the short sale. Now we've arrived at short sale. This becomes the best option for them. Yes. OK, um, thank you. Sorry.
1: <laughs> I, I was I went off on okay, a day right here it, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, basically, uh, you know, to continue with the advantages for them, because I, I took that sidebar. I wanted to get that in for those who don't know what a short sale is why would anybody do it and here's the reason they were about to lose their house in 30 days they'd have to move out and be gone instead what we do in a short sale process is we're negotiating with a bank and that whole time you know, two months, three months, four months, six months long, they're staying in the home and they're not required to make any house payment. So that means that they're able to save their money up so that they can start over and find another place. They also uh, will get the deficiency removed. So in other words, if they go to foreclosure, they still owe the money. This is horrible, Bob. You lose your house and you owe all the money. It's a double whammy, you know, and so you owe the the loan Still, and in the short sale, it says you owe zero in writing on paper that they have that says they owe no money whatsoever. And then the bank will pay them some money to move. You don't pay them. You never, ever pay them money. That's called bribery. You can't pay them money to do a short sale, but you let the bank pay them. So now they get some money to move also. So there's like four or five you know, advantages you know, for that homeowner uh, to do the short sale.
0: That's awesome. So now let's let's talk briefly about the other side of this process. And and that's, you know, building these relationships with banks, because, of course, no bank wants to take less than what they're owed, like, that's what they would like to get. But just because it's what they want doesn't mean it's what they're, you know, that they'll always accept or hold or stick to the idea of that. So you know, when you start reaching out and I know there's a whole process to getting a hold of the bank and making sure you have authorization to negotiate on their behalf and probably a bunch of other things I'm forgetting about in the process there. But how important have you found it for building relationships with the people at the bank? Or does it not matter at all because, you know, those people are rotating through so much that you never see the same person twice?
1: Yeah, you're right, Bob. It's absolutely meaningless. It's meaningless. Say in a REO, in a, in a foreclosure uh, REO property that means that the bank foreclosed and they now own it that goes to an asset manager and you never even know where He's at and he has hundreds of homes. This is the opposite of that. The bank does not own the home There is no body at the bank to contact Okay, they don't own the house the homeowner does all they have is a loan that's missing payments Okay, and they can't list the home or sell it or do anything so every single time you do a short sale You're working with and reaching out to a completely new negotiator at the bank on the telephone. It's never in 12 years except one time been the same person. Okay, and that's because you have different many different banks and then you have many different loans, FHA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, VA. So it's like a cross matrix. There's no way for you to work with the same person. And I like okay. that because then it means that we have these, these steps we follow in a short sale process that's independent of who we're talking to. Okay. So I don't want it to depend on the person I'm talking to. I want it to be dependent on my method of steps that I use in a short sale, you know, that work time and time again.
0: And that's good. No, I think, I think that's perfect. because I think too many people get caught up in the, well, I don't know anybody at the bank to talk to. So how do you, let's start here then. How do you go about getting a hold of someone at the bank? You just start calling them, dial it up, be like, yo, what's up, Jenny? I need need help.
1: Yeah, um, no, it's, uh, you know, we have, uh, you know, the, the beginning process of that is that the homeowner fills out a single page authorization form that gives you the right and the ability to call the bank on the behalf of the homeowner. So now when you do that, you're giving them the loan number. And the last four, the social security number, you're now uh, acting as if you're the homeowner and speaking with the bank. So now you can say how much is owed? What's the monthly payments? How many payments behind are they? Is this an FHA loan? You run down a whole list of things that you ask them. You let them know you're in control and that you know what you're doing. Okay, and then basically you go down the okay, if this is FHA, you have to do the waterfall process. In FHA, you have to do a loan modification first. So you ask the bank, have they done a loan modification previously? Uh, Yes, they have. Great. So now we are submitting an offer for a short sale. If they said, no, they've not done a loan modification, you say, great, we're submitting paperwork for a loan mod. Okay. And so you are talking to the bank directing them getting them to give you the information for you to follow you know my method or my process of doing the short sale to you proactively feeding it to the bank the bank doesn't do anything but issue you an approval letter you know for you to buy that house so you kind of said something about the bank doesn't want to take a cut on the loan that's really not true OK, okay. Um, you know, the bank is actually issuing an approval letter. Good example of a house that I did. Uh, the bank came back they owed two hundred and five thousand dollars. The bank came back and said they wanted one hundred and ninety six thousand. OK, well, that's not a very good you know deal. I bought the house and this is in public records. I bought the house for twenty nine thousand six hundred dollars. OK, uh, the bank wow. gave me a piece of paper that said if I wanted to buy the house, I had to pay twenty nine thousand. I'm like, oh, OK, twist my arm. The bank is telling me what they will accept. It's not me forcing the bank into anything. Uh, and here's why this happens, Bob. There are completely different motivation and reasons for the bank, just like any homeowner. You don't go to the homeowner and say, what do you want for your house? You go to the homeowner and say, what do you need? What? Why are you selling? What's, what's your problem? OK, it's not about negotiating the price of the house. It's what do you need? Uh, why are you selling the house? How can I help you? Same thing with the banks. Here's what the the overriding factor is for the banks: is that one, if they have a non-performing note, a loan that's missing payments and not being made, is a non-performing note. And in our fiat currency world of you know fifteen to one ratio, if they're owed a hundred thousand, the bank has to take one and a half million dollars. Offer of their balance sheet, offer of their books that they cannot lend out to the general public at seven and a half percent interest. Not only that, if they get too many of these non-performing notes, the FDIC comes in and takes all their fiat currency away from them and shuts them down. OK, so mm-hmm. they would much rather take fifty thousand dollars or twenty five thousand dollars for that hundred thousand dollar loan. OK, that's part of their motivation. They are happy that I paid them twenty nine thousand dollars. You know, far that house. Now I turned around and sold it for two hundred seventy-five thousand. Okay, so don't cry for me. Um, you know, they twisted my arm, and the, and I didn't have to buy it for twenty-nine, but I did. Uh, you know, so you know, it's a you know, it's a mutual thing. They tell us what it is, and we we accept it uh, with it. So I think the banks are happy because they're the one that told me what the price would be. Now a caveat in case people freak out: twenty-nine and two cents. I did put eighty thousand dollars into the house. I did fix it up. So I. Bought it for 29 and put 80 in it and uh, sold it for 275. So I did do some work to that house, but um, but you know they did tell me that's the price that they wanted.
0: Right. Okay. Perfect. And no, and I, I think that's a that's a a huge deal. I I love we. I did a lot of work for banks back in the past, so I understand the whole non-performing notes and and that starts to eat away at their balance sheets and hurts the regulator scores, which impacts so many things. People don't even understand like the waterfall effect that that has on, on what they do. So um, now that we kind of know, I'll say a little bit on the front end, the back end of making this happen, what's your real definition of a short sale?
1: <laughs> oh, this is going to blow your mind. Um, okay, th- this is... This is, going to, this is absolutely incredible. So the real definition of a short sale, is, and I'm going to back it up with a statistic right after I tell you the definition, uh, but the real definition of a short sale is that the homeowner has missed one house payment. That's the true definition. If You, you cannot do a short sale unless they have missed a house payment. So the, okay. the definition isn't, are you underwater? Do you owe more? It's, have you missed one payment? Okay, it's irrelevant what the value of the house is. I'm going to repeat that. It's irrelevant what the value of the house is. Now, here's why. Black Knight did a 30-year study across foreclosures over the past 30 years. They did a study. They looked at all the foreclosures in America for 30 years, and they took all the homes that had 50% equity or more. They they had a foreclosure. They had 50% or more equity. They could snap their finger and sell their house on the MLS in an instant. Okay. 50% equity. They could sell it in an instant. Bob, out of those, 40% of those went to foreclosure anyway, 40%. And the reason is the homeowner doesn't care about the value of the home. They care about the fact that they got divorced, that they have cancer, that they have to move. It's about them and not about the value of the home. So when you step hmm. in and you say, here's your options, what do you want to do? And they say to you, I don't want this house. I'm out of here. Okay. You now have created a short sale situation. They're going into foreclosure. They're going to lose it. And a short sale will help their credit versus that. And so I say this to them. So write this down. You say to the homeowner, you say, look, um, you're never going to pay me. I'm not a consultant. I'm not a mortgage officer. Um, You're not paying me for anything that I do. My goal here, ma'am, sir, is that um, I want to talk to the bank and I want to get the bank to agree to let me buy it for one OK, I want to buy your house from the bank for one dollar and I'm going to you know, fix it up or do something to it. And I want to sell it for one million dollars. OK, now, if that's not OK with you, Mr. Homeowner, I can leave right now and you can go to foreclosure next Tuesday. And then I walk out the room and they say, oh, wait, wait, wait come back, come back. You know, they, they don't want to go to the foreclosure. They basically have said they don't care about the house. So therefore, what is the problem with negotiating the price down to one dollar? That's the bank's problem. The homeowner is going to get a fixed amount of money that will be the same amount regardless of whether you buy it for a dollar, twenty-nine thousand dollars, or a hundred and ninety thousand. They would have still got the same amount of money from the bank. So that's the real definition of a short sale.
0: I like it. I like it. And I think um, I think you're right. I think what when we look at it that way. It's simply a different avenue of buying houses, understanding exactly. that, hey, there, here's a situation in which I might not have been able to buy the house in one way, but maybe this other way I can. And actually, sometimes that way enables us to actually make more on our side simply by being aware of the options that exist.
1: Yeah, exactly. As a matter of fact, one of the things I want to be clear, too, and kind of how I teach and how I feel, um, I don't teach people to do short sales for a flat fee. There are companies out there that do it for a flat fee. And many of those people are my very good friends. They have to be. No one else does short sales. <laughs> They're the only friends I have that understand shop talk, right? Uh, but they do it for a $3,000 or $5,000 flat fee, but they don't get you $150,000 profit. So I want to be clear. You know, I teach people to be the, the entrepreneur, the real estate investor, doing it for yourself. You are the buyer, and you are the negotiator. I want to repeat that. You are the buyer, and you are the negotiator. And some might say, wait a minute, you can't be the the negotiator and the the buyer too. Yes, you can. You absolutely can. Let's say the bank asks you this question. Are you the buyer, and are you the negotiator? If they ask you that question, you can't lie. You never lie to the bank. You say, yes, I am. And here's what the bank says. bank goes, oh, okay, we're going to reduce the, the realtor commission from 6% to zero. I don't know why they punish the realtor, but that's all that happens. Okay, see, they determine the price of the home. They don't really care that you're the negotiator and the buyer. Okay, all mm-hmm. they do is say, well, well, now we're not, we're not going to pay a realtor commission. And so they knock it down to zero. So what happens? You just pay your realtor on the side. You pay him for something else. You, you know, he gets compensated you know, for what, you know, services, you know, you may have had him do for you with it. And so, you know, it's not illegal for you to be the buyer and the negotiator is what I'm trying to say. I want to make that clear to people on here. You're the real entrepreneur, the investor, helping families out across America, bringing homes into a livable condition for people to pay top dollar for and to create housing for America that we badly need. It's
0: Perfect. I love it. I love it. Okay. Awesome. So look, I, I know that the short sale process and, you know, there's probably about 500 steps in between, maybe not that many, but uh, so 300, it is between, 300. Yes, three hundred. Yeah. Okay. I was like, I know there's a lot here and you know, we, we'd be talking for literally days trying to go through all of it. Cause I know there's so much more. So if people want to learn more about this process and kind of understand what it is, I know you said sort of like, we have like a, a checklist of things you need to ask, where can they learn more from you or check you out or, or, uh, find out more about this process that you teach?
1: Yeah, you know, there. you can go to my website, thedavidrandolph.com, and you can get more information. You can actually text SHORT, S-H-O-R-T, to my phone number, uh, you know, 636-685-2990, and I'll actually send you a video and slides on how I do short sales Okay now Perfect. don't think that you're going to go run out and start doing them perfectly from watching that that's not what that's meant to be it's meant to be like what bob does is introduce his people to different areas that might resonate with you with them you know to learn more about and stuff so you know then go to my website thedavidrandolph.com and get that same video and slides and learn get more information on short sales
0: Perfect. Yeah, definitely go check that out if you're interested in learning more. Like I said, I know I've done a couple in my time, but I am by no means an expert in that particular area. Many other areas I am, but not that one.
1: (laughs) And Bob, something interesting right now is, you know, really, in my opinion, the banks are dumping the houses. Um, You know, I just had four students in the past two and a half months. Each one made over $100,000 profit on their very first short sale they've ever done. Okay. The very the banks are dumping the houses because they were not able to foreclose on in the past. And so they're dumping the houses. And uh, two of those four were actually wholesale deals, did nothing to the house and made a one hundred thousand dollar profit on their first short sale, wholesaling it. So the banks are dumping the houses right now. Families need your help. And in this case, banks need your help, too.
0: Perfect. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. Cool. Well, um, for everyone listening or watching, definitely go check out uh, David's site. Go give him a, a visit if you want to learn more about that process. I'm sure he can show you all of the all of the ways. Be be your Yoda to your Luke Skywalker and make sure that you get where you need to be. Um, David, thank you so much for being on. I truly appreciate you taking the time to be here and share your knowledge.
1: Bob, I thank you very much for for your service you give to the people to be able to reach out across this this you know digital world and, and system now to reach across America and and help people be successful and, and to be able to lead their own life, you know? And so I really appreciate what you do.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. And for all of you listening or watching, thank you for your time. As always, I ask for one simple payment. Just share this with a friend. If you have a friend who might want to learn about uh, not foreclosures, well, I guess foreclosures in a way, but short sales, um, drop them in, let them listen to this episode, share it. Uh, If you're in the Facebook group, um, invite a friend or two in. If you're not in the Facebook group, you should uh, head over there. Link will be in the show notes from the podcast to get into the Facebook group. Otherwise, have a great week. And as always, we'll see you on next week's show. Take it easy, everyone. Bye. This podcast is sponsored by Three Degrees Consulting. If you need funnels, websites, paid ads management, or help with any of your digital marketing, Three Degrees Consulting is your go-to source for everything. Check them out at www.go3dc.com. That's G-O, the number three, D is in degrees, C is in consulting. dot com. Go check them out right now.